Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, if you are new here, thank you so much for visiting with us this morning. I want to introduce myself. My name is Pastor Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we want you to know what I just said, that we are a church that's passionate about making people and places new. We see that happen here on a Sunday morning. Last week, we baptized 12 people. We're seeing that happen out in our communities, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, that God is using us. Every week, I'm hearing stories of how God is using you to bring change and transformation to people around you. And that's the heart and the vision of our church. And this morning, we're kicking off a brand new series called The Tipping Point. And we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at the Word of God in the area of our personal finances and what God wants to do. What does the Word of God say about tipping the scale in the area of our finances? Now, I know for some of you, you're looking at the exit door thinking, can I make it at this point, okay? Because I've just come back to church. Maybe I just started coming. And of course, the pastor is going to talk about giving today, and he's going to go through this long thing at the offering time, and now he's going to um, preach this message. But I want you to know that what we're going to cover over the next few weeks is less about your bank account and more about the condition of your heart. God's word says that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, hey, where your treasure is, where your money is, that's where your heart is going to be also. So what we're talking about is not just the financial issue, it's a spiritual issue. It's the condition of our heart. Do we trust God? Do we follow his word and what he's asked us to do? And what is it in our life that really tips the scale in the area of our finances with what God has called us to do? Now, I'm sure if I asked everyone in this room, and you can show me by a raise of your hands, if I said, hey, I have a formula for financial freedom this morning that you can experience that, how many of you guys would want that? Okay, most of you, the others of you are lying because I'm sure all of us would want financial freedom in our life, right? And, and it comes around that idea like, do we understand what that means? Do we understand what financial freedom is? We have a lot of different thoughts about maybe what it means to have financial freedom in our life. Like some of us think, if I could just pay off, of, off my debt, you know, I didn't have my mortgage on my house, I didn't have that car payment, you know, I didn't have those credit card bills. If I just didn't have that, then that would be financial freedom. But that doesn't guarantee freedom in our life. I've known people that don't have credit card debt or any of that, but they're still stressed and worried about money. For some of us, we think, man, if I had enough in my savings account, just enough for a rainy day, you know, I wasn't stressed about money, like I could, I could take care of myself a few, for a few months even if I lost my job. Of course, that would be financial freedom, but it seems like sometimes when you get more money, you're just chasing more. You're worried about it. I got to get just a little bit more, and if I only had this much, I know I have this much in savings, but if I could just get another thousand or, or another 10,000 or however much that is, then I would be okay. It always seems like enough isn't enough. You're always wanting more. So it's not just your bank account that brings financial freedom. For some of us, we think, man, if I won the lottery, there is power in the Powerball, right? So if I could guess the right numbers and I could do that, then I would have enough money, man, I would have financial freedom. But you've read the stories, I've read the stories of people that win the lottery. Two years later, they're going bankrupt. They don't know how to handle their money. It's not money that brings financial freedom. But what is it? As we look at the Word of God, what we're going to look at today It's actually trust in God. It's belief that, God, you are in control of my finances. 
God, you are the one who provides and you are the one who protects over my finances. Now, some of you may think, man, that doesn't sound like financial freedom to me. If you're new to church or you're just starting out in your walk with Christ, that may not sound like financial freedom. But whenever we realize, God, it's not all up to me. God, all of this doesn't weigh on me, Lord. You're the one, as I trust in you, as I obey your word, God, you're going to take care of me. And we're going to see that in the story this morning. It's actually that that begins to bring freedom in our life in what Christ wants to do. And so we want to look at scripture this morning. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to start reading at verse 8 there. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. You can reach down into the seat in front of you or underneath that seat and turn to page 192 in that Bible. And we're going to start reading 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. But whenever you have that, hold that for just a moment. Because I want to explain what's going on at this point in scripture, what's taking place. We're reading in this part of 1 Kings about a prophet named Elijah. A prophet, um, Elijah, this man was just simply one, someone who declared the word of the Lord to the people of God. And the people of God, they had come to a point in their life where they thought, God, we're doing okay. Of course, you brought us out of slavery in Egypt. You brought us out of bondage. But that was hundreds of years ago, God. And now we're in the promised land. We all have property, God. It seems like everything's okay. God, we're not for sure if we need you in our life. And so they began to worship other gods. They began to turn to other ways. They thought, God, I know you've told us there's a certain way we should live, but we're going to kind of live the way that we want to, God. We don't think we really need you in our life. We're going to worship the way that we want to. We're going to do what we want to do. And God, that's how we're going to function. And so Elijah spent all of this time telling the people of God, don't turn away from God. Listen to his commands. Listen to his voice. He has your best interests in mind. Begin to serve him and follow him again. Turn your hearts back to him. But the people didn't listen. And so eventually Elijah brought this word. Fine. You want to live without God? You don't think you need God? God's going to grant your request. And so you go worship these other gods. For three years, God's not going to provide rain. But that's okay. You go talk to your other gods. You go um, do the other things that you trust in and see how it works out on your own. If you don't want God to be a part of your life, God's not going to be a part of your life. He's not going to push himself on you. And so the people of God, they begin to experience this famine and this drought. Israel went through a severe time of not having, and we're reading this story. It's a few months into this recession that they were having, and we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 18, or verse 8. I'm sorry, this is what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in the vessel that I may drink. Now, remember, Israel's going through a drought. There's a famine. Water isn't just abundant. But Elijah says, hey, bring me some water. And so this woman feels gracious. And so she's going to do that. So she goes and starts to get the water. She's been gathering six. Verse 11. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go do as you have said. First, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. So what's taking place in this story at this part of the story? What's going on here? Elijah's gone. He's listened to the word of God. He goes to this town. He meets this widow. He talks to her and says, hey, bring me some water. And then as she's doing that, he says, hey, bring me something to eat. Okay, 
You guys are probably thinking, yeah, that's what pastors and preachers always do for thousands of years, right? They've asked for stuff from people. Okay, that's what happens. And so there's no surprise to this. But what's surprising is this woman turns to Elijah and said, hey, you've got the wrong person. I don't have anything. A matter of fact, me and my son, we're going to eat a little pancake. There's a little bit of syrup left, and then that's it. We're going to die. There's nothing else in the pantry. We have nothing else to live off of. This is our last day, probably. We're going to eat this, and then we're going to know that we're going to starve to death. Elijah, you've got the wrong person. But Elijah's heard from God. And what we need to realize, what, what Elijah was trying to let this woman know is that God knows about your financial situation. If you're taking notes, write that down. He knows today my financial situation. Now, it seems like God made a mistake here. God sent Elijah to the wrong widow. Elijah is probably thinking, or this woman's thinking, man, God didn't tell you to come here because I don't have enough food to feed you. God didn't know what he was saying, but God knows your financial situation. God knows what you're going through. God knows the situation in your life. Church, we need to rest assured of that, that God knew what he was doing in this story. We can see that. You know what? God knows what you're going through. When you lose your job, God knows that. You're going through a divorce and the finances are being split and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. God knows that about your life. You have that big financial decision and you've had a few sleepless nights because you know that it's coming up in your workplace and maybe you don't know what to do. And you've been praying, God knows exactly what it is that you're going through. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you. But he knows what is taking place in your life and he has a plan for you. Church, we need to know that, that God has a plan for what is going on in our life. And so she says, I don't have anything. And Elijah says, that's okay. Go ahead and go make me something. And then I want you to underline this in your Bible because this is a principle that we see in this story. He says, but first, go and prepare something for me. And then God's going to take care of you. Go and first prepare something for me, and then God is going to take care of you. This was an issue of trust. It wasn't Elijah being selfish. He wanted to know, hey, is this woman, is this widow that I'm talking to, does she really trust God? Elijah wasn't just speaking for himself. It was a symbolism of the voice of God, the presence of God coming in this woman's life. And she's probably thinking, Elijah, you're like a typical man. You don't listen. We don't have anything, right? All of the women in the room are like, amen. Yes, my husband doesn't do that. And she's probably thinking, Elijah, you're not hearing me. There's nothing left. A little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. We're going to eat something and then we're going to die. That's what's going to happen. But Elijah wants to know, wait, is your trust in yourself? What is it that you're inviting into your home? Just inviting death? Or are you willing for the presence of God to show up in your life? Are you willing to listen to the principle that God is wanting to give you that first you would bring God in and then God is going to take care of everything else? God is going to handle your financial situation. Who is it that you're willing to put first in your life? You think that you're going to take care of yourself or as this representative of God comes, are you willing to listen to what he says? This was a trust issue in her life. What's first? See, church, because whatever we put the priority on becomes, or whatever we put first in our life becomes that priority in our life. It happens in our finances. The word of God says that, that if we put God first, that we're inviting him into our financial situation. We're inviting him into what we do. We do this every day. So many of us, we wake up in the morning, we reach over for the cell phone. What do we do? Instagram, Facebook, calendar, email. We've just invited that in first in our life. Instead of setting that down and saying, wait, God, before I do anything else, you have the priority in my life. God, before anything else, God, I'm going to put you first. This principle of the first that we see in this story, God, you are number one, and so I'm inviting you into my marriage. 
God, I'm inviting you into the relationship with my kids. God, I'm inviting you into the workplace. Instead of getting there and at 9 o'clock or whenever you get into work, God, the first thing that I'm going to do is be frustrated at the boss or anything else. God, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to whisper a prayer, God. I'm going to talk to you and say, God, you have today in my workplace. God, you have today in my school, Lord, in everyone that I'm going to meet. God, you have the priority in my life. See, church, what is it that you're placing first? That's what God wants to know in this woman's life. What is first in your life? Are you willing to place me first? Because if you'll do that, I'll take care of everything else. I'll make sure that all of your needs are met, church. So there's that principle of first. See, first in our life tips the scale. When we place God first in our life, it tips the scale in our life. And God says, I'm going to take care of everything else. And we see that in verse 14. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be emptied until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. So she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. See, as she walked in obedience, as she practiced this principle of the first in her life, placing God first inside of her life, God took care of the need. He knew the need that she had, and God begins to provide for it. Church, it's that same way in our life. Whenever we invite God in, whenever we place God first, it tips the scale in our life. It tips the scale in the area of our finances. So all of you get paid, right? Everyone here gets a paycheck if you have a job. Some of you may be in between jobs, so you may not have... Um, employment right now, but the word of God encourages us in the area of our finances that we would bring God the first. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this, bring me the tithe, and what he asks for is 10%, and so you get that paycheck, okay, and you get all of that money. This isn't real cash, so don't rush the sage afterwards, okay? This is just fake money here, and you get that, and you get whatever that paycheck is, and let's say all of this is your paycheck. There's some fake hundreds up here and some fake 20s, and you get that, and you take the first 10%. And you honor God with that. You give that to him. You don't take the first 10% and you don't go to Kroger and say, okay, thank you, Kroger. Thank you, Walmart. That's where I want to spend it. You don't take the first 10% and you don't say, okay, mortgage, you're the most important thing in my life. Okay, it's not Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover card that is the most important thing in your life. What you need to invite first in your life to tip the scales in your life is God. That's what his word says. His word is very clear about that. We take the first 10% and we come and we honor him with it. We worship him and we say, God, I'm giving you that. And whenever we do that, it tips the scales in our life. See, God comes just like he did in this widow's life. And he said, I'm the protection over your finances. I'm the provision in what you need. I'm going to balance things out. You may not see how it's going to work. You may be thinking, Aaron, it doesn't make any sense. There is no way that I could give away 10% and somehow the 90 would go further. But that's the way it works when God's dealing with the money. He says, you honor me in this. You put me first in your life, and I promise you, I'm going to take care of the other 90, and I'm going to make it go further. I'm going to bless you. That's what he does in this woman's life. The oil and the flour never ran out. She sees it as her last day, but as she honors God in the first, the oil and the flour never runs out because God is there now. And he said, hey, it's not just up to you. I'm the one doing this. I'm the one who's going to take care of you. I'm the one who's going to provide for you. And so God does it really easy, okay? He didn't choose like eight, so we've got to do all of these percentages. He's just really clear, 10%, right? You make $800 a week, that's $80, okay? You make 1000 it's 100 And God says, honor me in that. 
you bring that to me. And when you do that, I'm going to tip the scales in the area of your finances. Church, we have to do that. We have to bring God first. Now, if we're not willing to do that, it doesn't work. Whenever we come over here and we say, but God, look, man, I've got 100% at this point. And God, it just makes sense that I would have more of this, God, that, that it would work out better like this. And God, I don't know if I could give you 10%. That just seems like so much. And so this is what some of us are trying to do, okay? We get this paycheck. We come to church. Oh, I just ripped some money. Okay. We get this. And, um, and we're like, man, we like New Community Church. This seems like a great place. They have a great vision. Pastor Aaron, he's pretty funny. His messages are encouraging, except today seems kind of down. But normally, man, I leave walking out of here encouraged. I feel good after I leave church. And so that's exciting. Man, and I love God. I love what he's doing. So I want to give God a little something. I don't think I can do 10%, but I want to do something. And so we try to give God a tip. But that doesn't tip the scales, church. That's not what God asks us to do. That's not putting God first in our life when we try to give God a tip. Now, some of you guys, you're like, okay, well, um, man, I really love the church. Like, Pastor Jason, that bald guy that sings up here, man, he's so good. I get goosebumps whenever the worship team lead us, leads us. And so, man, I want to give God a little something. I want to do a little something. And so, once again, we try to come over here. We try to tip God. And then we're like, God, why aren't my finances working? God, why don't I see your blessing? God, why isn't it working out in my life? Because that's not the principle that he's given us. God's not okay with your leftovers, with you paying everything else and then saying, God, if I've got a little extra at the end of the month, I'll do that. That's not priority in your life. That's not placing God first. And God says, if you want to tip the scale in the area of your finances, you're going to honor me. You're going to bring to me the first part of what I've given you because I am first in your life. And when you do that, I'm going to take care of, I'm going to protect everything else that you have in your life. If you want to see God's blessing, you have to follow the principle that God gives us in his word. And so church, it's not just the tip. So many of us, we're more comfortable giving the waiter or the waitress at the restaurant that we're going to go to more than we would give God. You guys, that's sad. God should be the number one priority in our life because of what he's done, because of his work inside of us. Man, we should honor God. It should be an act of worship in giving to him the first part of what he's given to us. So the Bible's clear. It asks us to bring 10%. And it tells us to bring it into the local storehouse. And so that's part of the church. That's the principle that God has set up. And so it doesn't mean, hey, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to support United Way or um, Habitat for Humanity. All of those things are great. But God asks us to honor him by bringing that first 10% into the local storehouse, into the church, and to worship him through our giving in that way. And when we do that, there's something else that we see happen in this story. And this is my last point right here. Write this down. God knows what you need in the future. Not only does God know the current financial situation you're going through, not only does God know what you need today, God knows what you need in the future. You continue to read this story, and I'm not going to read through it all. You can look at it this week, but you see this happen. Elijah stays there with that widow. The oil and the flour never run out. They're all eating, but one day this widow walks up to the guest house that Elijah's been staying in, and she knocks on the door. And Elijah comes to this door, and this woman is covered in tears. There's tears running down her face. And she says, really, Elijah? This is what God wanted? God's going to bless me. God's going to provide for me. Of course, the food didn't run out, but my son got sick, and now he's lying in my house dead. 
Is this some cruel trick of God? Is this the way that God works, that God's going to give me my son for a few more months, and then he's just going to take him from me? We're not going to starve to death, but he's going to die of sickness. That's what God's going to do, Elijah. And Elijah walks over to that house. He goes into that room where that boy is laying on that bed. He stretches himself out over the bed, and he begins to call on God. He begins to cry out to God. He says, God, you're faithful. He begins to breathe life into that boy, and that young boy sits back up. That little boy is resurrected from the dead, and he's given back to that mom. You know why? Because God knows what you need in the future. Now, just think about this story. Think about this, church. If that woman at some point would say, I'm going to take care of me first. Elijah, you can go do it on your own. I can't feed you. I can't provide for you. Then the man of God would not be there when she needed him. He wouldn't have been there. Even if she could have somehow survived, the prophet would not have been there to pray for her son when he got sick and when he died. See, God is setting up things. God chose that woman for a specific reason. God chose the widow without that much food to show, hey, I'm the God who provides, and I'm going to take care of you when you honor me with the first. And church, I'm here to tell you this this morning. There's going to be some point in your life where you need God to stretch himself out over your life, in your finances, in a relationship, in sickness. You're going to need some point where God stretches himself out and breathes life into your circumstance and into your situation. When you throw up your hands and you say, I don't know what else to do, God. I don't know where to turn. God is going to be there when you've honored him, when you've followed his word, when you've been obedient to what he said to do. He's going to provide. I've seen this time and time again. Whenever we first started to do foster care, we were entering that. We had a heart for siblings. We were about to take in four siblings, and we had one minivan. Now, if you guys know our family, we already have a large amount of kids, okay? Four more are not going to fit into a minivan. We had eight at that point. And we just started to pray, God, we don't know what to do. And I'll never forget the day I came home, there was an email in my inbox. It was a couple from our church, and they said, hey, we have a car we want to give you. I came home a few days later. Sarah's like, have you been out to the garage? I said, no. I walked out there. There's a deep freeze full of food with a note on it that just said, from your church family, We want to take care of you guys. We believe in what you're doing and investing in the life of young kids in Texas. We want to support that. See, there were moments and moments after moments in my life where I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do. And God keeps on saying, Aaron, you've honored me. I'm going to take care of you. It's not your financial worry. This is my fight. This is my battle. I'm going to show up and prove myself to be God. And church, when you do that, when you place him as the priority in your life, When you place him first and you honor him in that way, God's going to cover you. God's going to stretch himself out over your life, and he's going to take care of the needs that you have in your life. And I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I just want to quickly ask if there's anyone in the room this morning, and you're here, and maybe you haven't seen God as your provision. Maybe you haven't seen God as the God who takes care of you. And this morning, as I've been talking, your heart's opening up and you know that you need a relationship with him. You know that you need to make him first in your life and you realize I've not done that. And if that's you in a moment, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. If there's anyone here and to meet me forward at the altar, the Bible is very clear. It says that there was a spiritual debt in our life. There was a spiritual debt and we couldn't pay it. Sin had separated us from God and broken our relationship with God. But the word of God says that God paid it for us. He sent his son Jesus and he died upon the cross because we couldn't do anything about it ourselves. God says, it's okay, I've got you covered. 
And this morning, Jesus is here for anyone that says, man, I've walked away from my relationship with God. I've not been serving God. I've been trying to do things on my own. I'm like the Israelites that have been trying to figure it out myself. But this morning, I realize I need God in my life. And if that's you in the room this morning, if there's anyone at all right now, would you just stand up and come forward to the altar? I want to pray for you. We're not going to wait long, but I want to take a moment. I don't want you to miss this opportunity if God is speaking to you. God's challenging your heart. You know that you need to make things right. You need a fresh start with Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Man, I'm so excited for you this morning. Church, I want us to all pray this together, whether you're praying it for the first time or whether you've prayed this before. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. I know I need you. I need a fresh start in my life. And I realize you as the Savior of my life. I accept you as the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new life. I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we celebrate together? The word of God says that all heaven rejoices and that heaven celebrates whenever anyone makes that commitment and that decision. And I want the rest of us to respond this morning in this way. I'm going to ask our ushers that are helping us if they would come forward. And we have something that we want to give you. It's, it's a card. And I want to ask us to respond this morning um, in this way. We've just talked about what God says in his word about placing him first in our life, the principle of the first. And the ushers are beginning to hand those out right now. Just as you guys are going, you can begin to give those out to everyone. I want you to take that, and I'm going to pray over us in a moment. I just want you to have that in your hand. The Word of God challenges us, and we're asking you to respond in one of three ways this morning. There may be some of you in this room that as I've been talking, you're saying, Aaron, I've not been operating in God's principles, but I know that I need to. I know I need to start to bring the tithe. I need to honor Him in this, and so I want to do that this morning. We have what we call the tithe challenge here at NCC. And that is, it's just a couple of months of commitment to say, God, I'm going to bring the tithe as often as I get paid. God, whenever my income comes in, I'm going to bring the tithe. God, I'm going to honor you in that. And as we do that, God's blessing is over our life. And this is our challenge that if you do that, if you commit to say, I'm going to bring the tithe, and you don't see God's blessings after a few months in your life, you can come to the church and we'll return everything that you've given. How can we do that? Because we believe God's word. He says, test me in this and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven, the windows of heaven, and pour out blessings upon you. Now, it may not come in the way of finances. We've heard people say, man, it's been peace in my life. It's been a relationship that was broken that's been restored. As I've started to honor God in the tide, there are other areas of my life that he showed up and he's provided in. And we believe that, that he's going to do that. For some of you, you've been bringing the tithe, but maybe this morning God's challenging you, hey, Try to go a little bit above and beyond that. Be generous. Invest into the vision. See, my kingdom be established here in Mesquite and in the surrounding areas. And so you want to give above and beyond that. And I'm going to pray over us that God would help us to be that kind of church. Once again, not just giving more because we need to give more, but a spiritual condition in our heart. God, we want to be generous, God. We want you to be the priority, God. We want to place you first in our life, God. That's our prayer. And so I'm going to ask this. I'm going to pray over this. Then I'm going to ask you, just take a moment before you're dismissed, before you head out, just fill that out and you can drop it in the offering buckets on your way out this morning. Let me pray for us, church. God, we come before you, Lord, 
and we see this, God, in our lives. God, your desire, Lord, that we would place you first inside of our life. And God, your word is very clear. We saw that this morning, that as we do that, as we honor you in that way, God, your, provi- your provision is in our life. God, your protection, Lord, you take care of us. God, and it tips the scale even in the area of our finances. And so I pray that this morning, God, make us a generous people. God, make us a people that worship you in obedience to what your word has said, God. And we pray this in your name. Amen.